I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Sophie. I'm Yelly. And this is She's All Fat, the podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. Now in our final season. In this episode, we're continuing last week's conversation with Deshaun Harrison. We're talking desirability, insecurity, and the belly of the beast. But first, our news corner. Okay, mail alert. We've opened a Google form for you, our beloved family members, to write a little note of love to this fat community you've helped to build. We'll be reading and posting your letters all season long for a little fat hug from the community. Speaking of, we have a very special letter from Hannah. Thank you to the family for showing me that fat community exists in real life. Thank you, Hannah. Hannah's and H's are the reason I feel like I have fat community too. I love y'all. Check the show notes to write your love letter to the family. Family, you know the spiel by now. It's your last chance to join our Patreon. Blah, blah, blah. The money from this season will be used <laughs> to maintain our site and ensure you can listen to the pod long after our finale. And I know you want that. When you join our Patreon at Team Paisley Moomoo or above, that's $7 a month, you'll get access to our legendary patron-only Facebook group. You'll also get a bonus minisode every Friday. This season, we're doing something new and exciting for these minis. That's right. We're doing a big sister mailbag. Every week, we're taking your questions about living, laughing, loving, and answering like the big sisters we both are. This week, we're answering your questions about makeup. Stick around to the end of the episode for a sneak preview. In conclusion, now's the perfect time to go to patreon.com slash she's all fat pod and make a pledge to help your fave fatties and future fat members. All right, before we head into the interview, I want to remind you about our little giveaway. Our guest, Deshaun, has a book coming out in August titled Belly of the Beast. We heard a bit from it from Deshaun last week, and today's interview gives you an even better taste of this soon-to-be iconic work. So in case you forgot, we're pre-ordering four copies of Belly of the Beast to gift to four lucky members of our Patreon family. If you're a patron and you're interested in getting one of these copies, we'll put a link in the show notes to a Google form where you can enter yourself into the giveaway. And bonus, if you join the Patreon anytime this month of June, we'll put your name in twice. It's going to be fun. We'll remind you for the rest of the month and announce our winners in July. All right, Sophie, let's drop our listeners into the second part of your chat with Deshaun. Let's do it. So I want to change gears a little bit. Now we've talked about big structure. We've talked about haze. We've talked about a new word that I learned that I'm going to Google after this and learn everything about Afro-pessimism. <laughs> and now I want to talk about some of your writing about fat love, if that's okay yeah, with you. of course. So I recommend all the fat Malie go and read a bunch of the essays you have posted on your site, which is obviously linked in the show notes. I want to read some two little quotes from this essay that you wrote, I think last year, called To Love and Be Loved from the Fat Perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one thing you said was, it is hard to be vulnerable enough, both with myself and everyone else, to admit that I'm lonely and wrestle deeply with imagining a future for myself where mm -hmm. romantic love exists for me. And then it later, this is my personal reckoning with the idea that I may never see love in the way that I want to, but also that anyone who reads this has the ability to change that. Not just for me, but for the people like me, for all the multiply marginalized, specifically fat, black, and disabled people who care to experience romantic love, but have in some way been told that they cannot. 
I want us to know what it feels like to be chosen, to be held. I want us to know a love so intimate that closeness itself begins to tear down its borders and make way for a freedom it never knew was possible. Okay, first of all, I just love that. I think you're such a good writer. Oh, thank you. I also relate to that feeling of wanting to be wanted and held and chosen and yeah. close and all of me. Yeah. So that piece is from a year ago. What are your thoughts now about hearing that again? Spoiler alert for the audience, you are in a relationship right now. So I'm wondering, like, has being in this relationship changed your thoughts? Do you still, do you have new thoughts? Do you, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, I love, I love that question. So I I actually wrote that, that piece in 2018 initially. So the piece has been out in the world for a long time. And this is my first actual relationship. And yeah, no, I, I don't have I don't have new feelings about that. I think I have more more thoughts about it, but I don't have new feelings. I think that there are always exceptions to every rule, right? But that there is a rule for there to be exceptions to is exactly the issue. And I think that we know that that fat folks are not are not being loved and cared for in the way that that thinner folks are. Yes. That is just the reality because we, we know that desire and desirability plays such a big role in, in who is and is not loved. And even as I'm in this very loving, very caring, very uplifting relationship now, there is still so much about desirability that still plagues like like our like our space and, and my brain in particular mm. because of the harmfulness of desire, right? I was just having a conversation with my partner um, yesterday. I was up like really early in the morning, like maybe five in the morning, just like really down and sad because of desirability. And this had nothing to do with our relationship in particular, but there are just moments where people are more interested in in my partner than they are in me or where people are like, Suddenly people who, who, who took no interest in me now have some sort of interest in me because of my proximity to my partner who is thinner, mm-hmm. who, who, who they read as, as a cis man, even though my partner is a trans mask person. And they read a very specific desire onto, onto my partner's body than they do onto mine. And so because of my proximity to, to my partner, there's a, a specific like way that I'm, that I'm engaged. But yeah, like, Desire still shows up in, in, in my everyday life, despite the fact that I'm in a relationship. And, and that's why yeah. I tell folks, like, desire and desirability is not just an individualistic thing. And I, and I think people, I, I've got so many comments like this over the years. Where people are like, oh, well, you're just jealous and you're just whatever. You just wish that you, that you had it. And I'm like, well, yeah, part of me is jealous and part of me does wish that I had it. But I also want you to know that, like, this is not something that goes away when you're in a relationship. Relationships yeah. don't 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 destroy the violence no. of desire and desirability. Yes, because as Sabrina Strings walks us through everything about like how we're set up, everything about how the how the world is set up, and how anti fatness even comes online is through desire. You know, white settlers saw fatness on on African people and thought, "I do not like this. This is not something that I would ever be interested in desiring." And so, desire then then controls. Everything about how the world works, who is employed, who is yeah. who is housed, who is in a relationship, who is diagnosed correctly, who has healthcare, all of that is determined by desire and desirability, yeah. who is gendered and all of that. So sure, jealousy and insecurities can play can play a big role. And I affirm people who who are honest about our insecurities and our jealousies because we have a right to that. But also this is about much more than that. And so, so yeah, my partner and I, we, we have check-ins all the time about, about that because, of course, they also have their own insecurities, too. They're a yeah, trans-mass sure. person who is navigating a, a world that wants to gender them in a particular way. And, and both of us, of course, are black and dark-skinned. And so there's, like, a lot of different compounding violences happening while also a lot of separate violences happening that, that we're having to consistently work through. But the love that we have for one another is just magnanimous in so many ways and it's and it's beautiful and it's I think it's 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 amazing and it's something that that 
because I know that now that this exists, it's something that I that I want even more yeah, for yeah, other yeah. folks of marginalized experiences to be able to experience because well, if they wanted, of course, you know, always showing love to my aromantic folks. But for folks who want that type of romantic love, they deserve to experience it. Yeah. And I know that unfortunately, because of how the world is set up, that so many of us won't. And that is the the very sad part for me. And that's why that's why I wrote those essays, because I was convinced that I was going to be someone who would not experience this type of love. That piece has been in the world for several years and and it took up until now to, for me to be able to to experience what that feels like but my thoughts on it don't change because i know that what i'm writing from there while it was a personal essay still is true for for so many people yeah i think everything you're saying really resonates i want to follow up on two points one mm-hmm. point I want to ask more about what you were saying. People would say to you like, oh, you're jealous of other relationships. Mm -hmm. Can you talk more about that? Because I feel like the responses I always got from people if I talked about this was very different from that. It was always like kind of paternalistic, like, oh, you'll find someone. Don't worry. But I never Mm -hmm. got called jealous for sure. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So I've gotten that too, of course. Of course, the the very patronizing, like, oh, you'll... You'll find it. You'll get it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, please leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like, well, you know, it's there's loving your friends or I love you. I'm your friend. And like, okay, uh-huh. please, like, whatever. But, yeah. but yeah, people would often tell me, you know, like, this is just your jealousy speaking or, or you're just upset because, because someone else is being loved and not you or, you know, like, maybe you should you should work on your yourself to be to be someone that like could be deserving of love meaning yeah. i should be someone who didn't have insecurities even though the world was telling me every day to hate myself or i should be someone who was like actively in a gym trying to like get a quote unquote better body and uh-huh. and and all of that so that people would want to love me and i was like you don't even recognize the fact that you are literally proving my point by saying that yeah. I should have a particular body or I should look a particular way to, to, to have to be loved. But yeah, I got, I got called jealous a, a lot. And, 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 and since I've been in a relationship, it's been interesting to see people who, who, who would call me jealous now also like almost have this sigh of relief. Like, Oh, I, I now mm. I don't have to hear them talk about this anymore because they, they are in a relationship now. And I'm like, no, now I'm talking about it even more because yeah. I know firsthand that being in a relationship does not destroy desire and desirability. Yes. And so, yeah, like it, it was a big experience for me that I hate it. <laughs> uh-huh. So the second thing I want to follow up on is what you were saying about insecurity, because I also have mm. some quotes here from your other essay called Leaning yeah. into Insecurity and Ugliness as an Essential yeah. Body Politic, which again, we will link all these in the show notes. But I want to read some quotes from this where you talk about desirability, the concept of ugliness, the concept of insecurity. Mm-hmm. You say, I want us to know insecurity as intimately as we know the marginalized pieces of ourselves as valid as identities and as political. Another quote, insecurities are not a moral failing of the individual, but rather an inadvertent critique of a society that seeks to punish, harm, and abuse ugly people who dare to name that our perceived flaws aren't flaws at all. And finally, insecurities are not a personal indictment. They are an indictment of the world. Being that this is the case, we should run towards insecurity, not as a trauma to inform our politics, as it is dangerous to navigate the world of politics through trauma rather than an informed praxis, but as a political tool that aids in developing our understanding of and relationship to oppressive power structures. So, I mean, to me, the like first thing I take from this is like, yes, like it's very easy for me to like critique the constant pressure to not be insecure or to like that it's our job to be confident or something in the face of critique oppression etc and also that like it has seemed to me for a long time that insecurity and being confident is again like a pretty big because because of the world i live in mm-hmm. like that's that's like girl boss tools you know what i right. mean so tell me about tell me more about insecurity yeah so first off this essay is included in the second chapter of my book it was <gasps> It's, it's sort of like a um, like an excerpt. And what led me to writing this is actually what we were just talking about with the jealous piece. Mm-hmm. People would always be like, 
you're just so insecure and you're just so like everything every every critique that I would ever make would always land back at me being insecure and I'm like okay so so what if I am right like I actually don't know how you expect me to not be insecure when we live in a world that says that everything about my being is something I shouldn't be secure about like everything about who I am I'm black trans disabled queer fat like all these all these different compounding experiences yes in a world that says that each of these things should be should be killed, that we should want to kill all these parts of ourselves. Yes. So if, if that is the case, how do you expect me to not be insecure? Yeah. I think we oftentimes talk about insecurity as if they're not political, but they are political. So much about what leads us to being insecure is because of politics, body politics, like and, and desire and desirability. So I wrote this piece to say like, we should not run away from our insecurities as marginalized people, right? And, 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 and that's not to say that all insecurities are necessarily revolutionary because we know that thin white girls also have insecurities with their bodies. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, but also, like, their insecurity with their body is, is birthed through anti-fatness, right? Yes. I think we don't ever really want to name that, that the issues that people have with their bodies, the, the, the things that lead to people having issues with their bodies, to not wanting to be fat, not wanting to look a particular way, or really, even even if you if you want to be bigger, like you you have an issue with being too thin or whatever, all that comes from the violence of anti fatness. Yeah, it comes from wanting to be closer to the like the white thin ideal exactly. in some way or another. Exactly, yeah. and that ideal only comes through anti fatness. And so, yeah, what I what I wanted to say was like, no, not. Not all insecurities are necessarily revolutionary, which is why I said it's, it's dangerous to let trauma inform your practice, but rather that insecurities are still political, that mm-hmm. our insecurities cannot be separated from, from who we are. And so we shouldn't run away from them. We shouldn't deny them. We shouldn't say that they don't exist just because we've attached negative connotations to them. I choose to embrace my insecurities. I think that my insecurities, I would be lying if I if I was to live in a world with all these different marginalized identities and not be insecure right yeah uh, I would be I would be being dishonest but I also would would not be allowing myself to have a full analysis around how I navigate the world if I deny these parts of myself that, that make me feel insecure right uh, and so yeah. instead my my interest is in naming that I do have these insecurities, naming how these insecurities come online or where they come from and being honest about that. And, and Mia Mingas, she, I love her so much. She talks about ugliness with regards to disability. And that's between her and, and one of my favorite people in the world, Hunter Shackelford, who talks about ugliness with regards to fatness and blackness. And, and also, of course, Caleb Luna, um, who also talks about ugliness with regards to like femme identity and, and fatness. Those three really, 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 like, helped me make this critique. They don't know it, of course, but <laughs> they helped me make this critique of, of insecurities because if ugliness is political, right, if, if, if the idea of ugliness is a political thing, insecurity must also be political. Because if you are ugly, there you there's no way to exist without also being insecure because your ugliness comes from the very, like, the politicization of your identities, which as a consequence means that like your insecurities come from the politicization of your, of your body and of your, of your being. So it was just, it was really important for me to write this and and to make it clear that it's okay to be insecure and, and that you don't have to run away from that and that that can inform your politic too. Yeah. I feel like calling someone insecure or self-conscious is like kind of weaponized as a way to be like, not only do you not fit this thing I think you should fit, but you have the audacity to feel bad about it. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? You want me to like not, I'm supposed to want this. And also because I don't have it, 
I'm supposed to like the second best thing is to be very confident in right. what I am. How am I supposed to do that? But then you get that? punished for being confident, right? Yeah. Because yeah. when you see how we punish Lizzo for being confident oh, in her yes. body. Yeah. So what are you supposed to do? Not exist. You're supposed to not exist. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly why I wrote that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also think that the concept of insecurity is interesting because it is so seen as a flaw of the individual coming from some lack inside you, which is why I love the way that you've put this as a result of external things. It's not like a personal flaw. I love that. And it's hard to balance this kind of thing because I like this all really resonates with me, but it also sucks to feel insecure. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I don't necessarily want to sit in that. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. No, I, I, I feel that so much. And I thought about that when I wrote this because, yeah, it does. It, it sucks to feel insecure and it's not necessarily affirming at first. But then as I thought about it, I was like, I think this feeling sucks because of how we've been taught to feel about insecurities. Mm-hmm. And so how I sort of reimagined it in my mind was what if I was able to think through my insecurities as, as something that that could lead to to me feeling empowered, right? Like how mm-hmm. how would that look? And 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 where I land is insecurity for me no longer feels. I mean, sometimes I do still feel horrible sitting with my insecurities. I will not tell a lie. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, being able to sit with it and acknowledge it for what it is has allowed me to work through them out loud, right? Which has mm-hmm. really made it better for for me in a relationship where as before. I would never name my insecurities. I would I would sit with them. They would make me feel horrible. And I would never talk about them. And I would just feel worse. But now, mm. because I'm in a space where I feel comfortable enough with sitting with them, it leads me to something empowering where I can sit down and say, hey, babe, I actually feel really insecure about this thing. And I really need to talk about it. So it, it's made me a better communicator. And it has allowed me to be able to to speak more earnestly and honestly about how I'm feeling. And, and gratefully, I'm in a relationship that allows me the space to be able to to talk through those insecurities yeah. and then be held through them, right? And if there's something that that my partner can shift, they do that and willingly. So so that's the beautiful part about about sitting with the insecurities, at least for me, is that like it's allowed me to be able to effectively communicate what I'm insecure about and not feel not feel sore about doing so, not feel bad mm-hmm. about doing so, and also not holding on to them and, and then resenting myself more. But even outside of my relationship, because I want to be clear, like I wrote this long before I was in a relationship or even had a, mm-hmm. a prospect of being in a relationship, it made me sit with myself <laughs> and say, yeah. okay, before you would have never admitted to yourself that today you just don't want to, you, you, you are really feeling horrible about being fat. Right, you're really feeling feeling horrible about being dark skin. You're really feeling horrible about being gendered in a particular way. Like all these things, I would have never admitted out loud to myself. But then, once I wrote this and 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 once I got this concept, I was like, you know what? No, I do want to admit this to myself today because I, I have to, so that I can talk with myself about what it looks like to move forward and mm-hmm. what it looks like to to embrace something different. What I can do to shift how I'm showing up, right? And sometimes there is no answer because of the fact that the issue is not me. The issue is is what's happening and how the world engages me. Yes, I, I think one of the the best things that Roxane Gay ever gave me through her book Hunger and and whatnot was like, you know. I don't feel insecure about my body always so much as I feel insecure because of how my body is engaged. Sure. Yeah. I feel that. Like, I don't feel insecure about myself as much as I feel self-conscious around other people. Yes. And that makes me feel more insecure. And so, but I would not have gotten to that place if I didn't sit with my insecurities and understand them as something that I shouldn't shy away from or that I shouldn't like repress, but rather should be able to express to myself, get it out in the open name it so that I can like get to the other side of them because I, I before I would sit with them for for so long would just get depressed and 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 be in 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 a pout for weeks and and just sit in my bed and, and not want to not want to talk and and just feel like the ugliest version of myself mm-hmm. and it didn't help and so being able to now like communicate my insecurities to myself effectively and name them. Yeah. It has helped a lot. Even when I had to, you know, like come back to it again, because of course they don't just go away. 
So, yeah. you know, you talk through them with yourself or your partner or your family or your friends, whoever, things adjust, they come up again, you talk about it again. And, and that has just been so fulfilling for me. That's so good. Yeah, I resonate with that. I think for me, like, one of the key things is that like the opposite of insecurity or self-conscious is not confidence, you know, because mm. that puts the onus on you again yep. to be. But it's like kindness to yourself is yes. what makes me feel much better in those moments, you know? Yes. And also allowing myself to retreat from the world. Like I have noticed a lot in the last year during the pandemic that I have so much less insecurity despite getting fatter, which I had feelings about for sure. Mm -hmm. But because I spent so much of the last year inside, I was faced with so much less reflection of what people see of me and other people's faces. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm obviously excited to be out doing more stuff, you know, but I'm kind of not excited for that because I know that will bring up more insecurity for me yeah. because it comes from that. Absolutely. In this pandemic, I've been exploring more with like with how I dress because I'm I'm inside for the most part. I mean, yeah. of course, I've been as of recently, I've been going out more and I've still been dressing how I want to dress because yeah, yeah. I was good. But <laughs> yes. at the earlier part of the pandemic, I was exploring a lot more with, with like how I dress and, and, and whatnot and was nervous about like what it would mean to implement these looks in, in an outside world where, mm -hmm. where now I'm having to like deal with, because I will post online, but again, we create communities online, even if they're not, they may not be our community, but we create like an a space, a, a, a safe-ish space yes. um, to, to not be harassed online. So it's like now I have to like go out in the world where people don't know who I am, don't have not engaged with me, like, and, and, and have not engaged with fat politics. And, and now yes. I have to deal with all this on top of being trans and also um, black, right? Like all the different compounding issues with that. So I say that to say that I, that really resonates with me. And, and, because of that, that's also, like, why I was like, no, I have to really sit with these insecurities. I have yeah. to because I bought these clothes. I look good in these clothes. I feel happy in these clothes. And I'm going to wear these clothes. So Yeah, because really what the insecurities are is, like, it's people being mean. That's why yeah. kindness to yourself is the – because it's not about, like, confidence in your abilities right. to do shit. It's about like knowing how people are mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? And people, people are so horrible. And so, yes, like, you know, like my partner and I, we got our nails done and I think we were like walking around, like holding our hands and, mm. and that's so cute. We went somewhere and there was like these older white guys who just like kept staring at us. And I was like, do you need something? Like, oh, God. <laughs> do you, like, do you like, yes, we like, this is like, okay yeah and and like the other night i went out in a crop top and it was just like very freeing and, and enjoyable and of course these things feel small to so many people who are who are thin or who are already engaged in a way that that doesn't that they're not antagonized but it really does become a, a big thing as you're as you're someone who is consistently antagonized for for just being in your body and then adding more reasons more reasons in quotations um, yes. for people to to antagonize you but I, I love putting on like heels and, and, and wearing nails and having on crop, yeah. top, crop tops and all that. And I think it's just like, I love it. So yeah, this, this summer I'm going to be, <laughs> be out like that. I'm going to yeah. have on my nails. I'm going to wear my crop tops and I'm going to um, have on my yes. short shorts and I'm going to love the hell out of this body. And some days I won't yes. love this body. Right. And, yes. and that will still be okay. And I, I always have to tell folks like, you do not have to love your body every day. You don't. Mm -mm. I think it's impossible to love your body every day because the world tells us to hate it every single day. So so some days yeah. you won't love your body and that's okay. But on the days that you do, love the fuck out of your body out loud and enjoy it because you deserve it. I feel like loving your body means so many different things. I think a lot mm. of people take it to just mean thinking that you're hot, you mm -hmm. know, or thinking yeah. you're thinking of yourself as attractive. Right. But especially, I mean, for me, as somebody who deals with a lot of chronic illness and a lot of like, mm -hmm. you know, mental health and yep. like ED stuff and all sorts of stuff, a lot of times for me, loving my body means like physically, can I take a walk and eat food today? And then I right. count that as loving my body because that's, right. I'm taking care of it. Do you know yep. what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I think having self-love rooted in 
like thinking you're hot is again, that's just, it's just like girl boss body positivity again, (laughs) which is just, you know what I mean? It's important to see those actions as Mm -hmm. like, even just wearing what you want to wear is loving yourself despite whatever you feel about it in the moment. Yeah. And I, I I think like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) just, just as someone who also has, you know, like chronic illnesses, mental and physical and all of these things, it's just, it, it was so important for me to be able to arrive at, at, at that type of conclusion that allowed yeah. me to do what I could. And also that allowed me to, to, to still name that sometimes that it wasn't done in love, that it was not love, that it was not, it was not care. It just was. Yes. And at the end of the day, that has to be enough because yeah. it's what happened. So, yeah. so if it's not enough, then oh well, because it's all I could give that day. Um, yes. And, and, and yeah, like, you know, some days I have, I, I feel confident as hell. Some days I don't. Some days I, I feel like I love this, this body. Some days I don't. Um, and, and some days I'm in between. Some, some days I start off really well and then end really horribly, but I gave what I could on that mm-hmm. day. And that is what matters. And so I always, I always try to honor that for, for all of us. Now I want all of us to honor those things for ourselves because we deserve to. We're surviving in this world is hard. Yeah. Um, and so the very fact that, that you're doing it, it should be enough. Absolutely. I also thought more about what you said about having to work through your own insecurities and to come back to like what, you know, being in a relationship. I've been with my boyfriend since we were like 23, like all my 20s, basically. I'm 30 now. Oh, wow. How cool. And so that I really feel like we've like grown through a lot of stuff together. Mm-hmm. And so I like really I was at the very beginning of my journey with fight fat fat stuff when mm-hmm. we first started dating. And even having a loving partner and the support, like so much of the work was up to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I thought before I was in a relationship, also because I was like 21, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was mad that I didn't feel more earth shattering completeness from having mm-hmm. somebody that I was in love with who loved me. Then I was like, oh, I have to work through my own shit also. Okay. Right. Well, yep. that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I still have to do this shit. Okay. I still have to Fine. take care of these things and, and yes. take care of myself and figure things out. Who wants to do that? Yeah. Nobody. Well, because having somebody think you're hot does not make you not insecure, unfortunately. It does not. <laughs> And you learn that the hard way, but it really does not. It doesn't end it. It doesn't end Mm -mm. it. And in so many ways, it might exacerbate it. So you really have to like work through your own shit. And it's hard. It's so hard. It's hard. But also that that's when you have conversations with your with your partner about like what type of boundaries you can set up that that give you more room to 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 be fulfilled. Right. Like not expecting for one person to be able to give you everything um, sometimes is helpful. So. And that does not mean I want to be clear because I'm in a monogamous relationship and not everyone can be poly. My partner is poly, but we're in a monogamous relationship. So I'm not saying that that means everyone should go be poly or be in an open relationship. But it does mean that sometimes there's just not room for one person to give you every single thing. So sometimes it means talking with your friends and, and, and making sure that they give you give you more or making sure your family gives you more or loosening the boundaries of your monogamous relationship to to kind of give room for for there to be more for you to be fulfilled but whatever it means for you and your partner or partners to make sure that you're getting what you need that like really really matters yeah i think definitely i had to break down a lot of my own ideas about what a romantic relationship meant it wasn't until a couple years ago within my relationship that i realized i was queer that like, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm cis and because I am bi and so I like am attracted to men, then it was like mm-hmm. easy for me to not, you know what I mean? Right. But a lot of self-discovery and self-analyzing and self-support, like I, I think a lot of kids think this. I feel like this is a natural thing for kids to think. But I thought that having a romantic relationship would like make everything 
Like I was like, oh great, okay. then I'll then I'll know everything, and then I'll have someone to do everything with me, and blah blah. Yeah. And I'm for sure bought into like the Victorian white Victorian ideals yeah. of like a home, you know, like all that. Like it's all built in there. Mm-hmm. Which is just all to say, everyone should read these two essays of yours that we're putting in the show notes. Okay, it's a fairy tale way of life. It's it's what yes. we're taught from as kids. You know, all these fairy tale movies. Everyone wants to happily ever after, and they don't tell you that happily ever after requires a lot of work. And because I think we feel like if you have a partner, if you someone is attracted to you, then that validates your attractiveness, aka your proximity to goodness because of your proximity to desirability exactly and that's not true (laughs) yeah it's not true and it turns out trying to feel fulfilled through feeling desirable is also not fulfilling at all Mm -hmm. yeah especially if you're in a body that's not gonna like i don't know maybe thin people really feel very happy and desire but i don't i don't think a lot of them even feel that it's like a trap for everyone you know that's what people don't really get is that Desire doesn't benefit anyone. anyone. I mean, of course, of course, there are people who benefit more from desire than others. But ultimately, desirability like harms all of us in so many ways because we're having to keep up with this this performance that we otherwise would not have to. And 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 so yeah, like we talk about that all the time in my friend group. Desirability doesn't help anyone, and it's just like other forms of of violence, right? Like patriarchy. Men, cis men, also are harmed by patriarchy, yes. even as they benefit from it. So yes. it's like you only want to hold on to this because of the the power you receive from it, but you are also harmed by it. You have to yeah. perform a particular way to get the most access and to get the most benefits from patriarchy. <laughs> and the lie of the – I think the closer you are to that – if you're white, if you're cis, if you are straight, if you're like all those things, yeah. the harder it is to recognize the fakeness of the like goodness exactly. of that. Exactly. Like yeah. that was very much true for me that like understanding the ways that fatness worked, like unlocked all these other ideas for me. Mm-hmm. Then it was like, oh, this is fake. That's fake. That's fake. That's fake. Right. You know, yeah. that might have taken me a lot longer if I wasn't fat because the world is designed to make you slit into this system if you are proximate to it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. We're definitely into episode two territory now. So I hope everyone's <laughs> yes. enjoyed these two episodes with Dejan. Before we wrap up, I would like to talk about your book. Yes. Let me read what I have here so you don't have to tell us everything. I'll tell <laughs> you some and then you tell me some. Okay. Okay. It's called Belly of the Beast, which is a great title. Love a title like that. Multiple meanings. So yes. good. Love a title with a colon. My favorite kind of title. <laughs> Belly of the Beast. The Politics of Anti-Fatness as Anti-Blackness. It comes out August 10th. The pre-order link is in the show notes. I have pre-ordered mine. Please pre-order yours. Yes. Okay, so here is a quote. I'm not sure if this is from a blurb or from something you wrote about it, but mm-hmm. I will read it. Deshaun foregrounds the state-sanctioned murders of fat black men and trans and non-binary masculine people in historical analysis policing disenfranchisement and invisibilizing of fat black men and trans and non-binary masculine people are pervasive insidious ways that anti-fat anti-blackness shows up in everyday life you also talk about the incongruity of health and healthiness for the black fat which we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. and you offer strategies for dismantling denial unlearning the cultural programming that tells us
as fat is bad and destroying the world as we know it, which we also talked about. So the black fat could inhabit a place not built on their subjugation. Yes. I can't wait. Cannot wait. Sounds so good. (laughs) I'm, I'm so excited about this book. This has been a long time coming and I'm excited to like to have been able to write this. I wrote this book in the middle of the the toughest part of the pandemic. Wow. After all of the all of the You wrote a book in the last year? Yes. Like right. that's so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. Last 2020 was so much for me. I was writing a book and working two jobs. Oh my god. And also organizing and tweeting every other second. How did you right. do all that? I don't know. I really I have I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you how I survived last year, but that is incredible. I was, it was so much. It was hard because I was I was also doing a lot of reading and 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 whatnot yeah, to make course. sure I was writing well enough for this book. So it was difficult, but I'm I'm grateful for that experience as well because if you can write a book in those conditions, you can write a book in any other condition. Gee, for real, you can you <laughs> clearly can write any book anytime. It's incredible. So I'm excited to to one day write a book again, but. Not and less bad. That won't be today, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and less in and, and less bad circumstances, yeah. and that won't happen today. Maybe a couple uh-huh. years from now. But I'm excited about this book. The book is is seven chapters, um, seven or eight chapters. I can't remember, but and it's not a super super long book. So I, I knew that like folks would need to 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 read something that was not going to be 300 pages long. And yeah, I'm again thinking about accessibility, but also. I didn't want to add a lot of fluff to the book. I wanted to yeah. get straight to my point and, and make it and move on. So the book walks us through the need to move beyond self-love. It walks us through desire and desirability. It walks us through health. It walks us through the policing of anti-fatness and anti-blackness or really how policing is both anti-black and anti-fat. It walks us through the connection between the war on drugs and the war on obesity. It walks us through gender and, and fatness. So it, I, that's one of my favorite chapters, to be honest. In that chapter, I'm talking about fatness, gender, and transness. And then also the last chapter about moving beyond abolition and thinking of abolition as a beginning and not an end. And so it, it is, it's a book that I'm, I'm very proud of and that I'm excited for folks be. to read. I, I hope that people love it. I, I hope that people offer good and, and grounded critiques of it as well, but mostly that people love it. <laughs> and I'm excited just to see what, what conversation comes from it. But And I, I don't say this just because I wrote it, but this really is, I think, groundbreaking work and something that we have not seen before in fat politic, nor have we seen before in Black studies, nor yeah. have we seen before in women, gender, and sexuality studies. So I'm just excited to be able to to be producing this type of work and, and, and doing something that I love. It's amazing. I mean, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but I'm so proud of you. That's so cool. It's not weird. No, thank you. I love, that's one of my favorite things to hear. So thank you so much. That's amazing. <laughs> it's truly amazing. I, do, I literally could barely function the last year, so I can't believe you wrote a book, let alone a book with, like, all these, like, grappling with all these intense <laughs> ideas and topics. Like, how are you alive right now? Like, for <laughs> real. Like, I'm very impressed. It's nuts to me. It's nuts to me, too. I will never do it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I told myself I will never do it again. But what happened is I signed my contract literally days before the start of quarantine. So oh I didn't God. know about the pandemic oh until literally God. days after I signed the contract. So I was like, well, oh. you don't have a choice but to write this. Yeah, so, like, here we go. So wow. I, I worked my two jobs. I organized. I wrote the book. I read. Jeez. I hope this year you get some more downtime. Well, I won't because. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. you have the tour. I, because I have the, the book tour and I've been doing the yeah. press tour and everything else for the book. And Oh, my gosh. But hopefully the start of 2022 will be a, a moment of, of rest and I can just oh, do my things God. that I just love and that I just want to do for myself. I'm really hoping for that. That's I hope that's so, my too. Goal. That's my wish for you. Do you have any recommendations for me and the family of things? I know you recommended a couple people earlier who I will link mm-hmm. in the show notes, but are there other feeds or books or people that you think are good people to listen to right now? 
Yeah. Um, I, of course, I'm always, always happy to give names of people who I just love and that I think are really yes, important please. to this right now. So one of my favorites, I always, always, always recommend Sky. Her name is Sky Griffin and on Twitter and on Instagram, she's Black Fat Queer. Yes. Um, I think that she is is going to be, you know, emerging as just a necessary and brilliant voice in in fat politics. I, I think she's just brilliant. Yes, you can listen to our episode with her. Yes, she is on there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then Maz the Hedgehog, I think is her name on Twitter. She's also brilliant, black fat, um, queer woman who I love. She's in the UK, so she has a very unique perspective as well because, you know, so many of us are in the U.S. Uh, everyone knows, you know, your fat friend, Aubrey Gordon, and yes. everyone knows Keevan. I love Keevan yes. as well, Keevan Bay. And yes, we will link both of their episodes, yes. multiple episodes here too. Exactly. My yes. There's so many folks that I'm like getting so much from, that I'm like learning so much from, and that's just fat politics folks. Like, yeah. I also, like, they're also just my, my friends who are in fat politics and in black studies. So, of course, I named Hunter and Caleb earlier and, yes. and Mia Mingus and Maya Mingus. And there's also my best friend, Jatella, who is a black studies scholar and one of my other friends, Ra, who on Twitter is underscore R.A. Wilcox, who is a brilliant scholar. And my my friend, T, who is colonized local on Twitter, who is a black, black studies scholar and um, someone that I do my like YouTube show with uh, in the middle with myself T and my other friend Justin King of Reads. Oh, fun! We'll have to promo that too. There's so many people that I just I'm, I'm learning from that I'm in community with that I share space with who I'm just grateful for. Yeah, I just I'm I'm, I'm learning from so many people and, and engaged with so many people and, and reading so many people. Of course, in terms of books, you know, we said Sabrina Strings and KSA Layman and. There is also Nicole Guerrero, and then you said earlier Lindo Bacon and Love Lindo, and I worked with them before. God, there's so many people that you just that you read and you learn and you get to know, and I, don't, I hate naming names because there's so many names that I want to name, <laughs> but all these folks are just so great. I, I love shouting people out, so that's beautiful. I know. I mean, that's that's my favorite question to ask is because I want to, you know, I love following people that I'm going to learn more from. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to touch on or talk about or say before we wrap up? No, I, I think this was, this is one of my favorite shows to be on. So I'm, oh, I'm glad that, that we got to so talk happy. through. Yeah, I'm glad that we got to talk through all these things. It was This is a really great episode. I'm thrilled to have you on. Like I said at the beginning, I truly like think of you as somebody very important to my learning because a lot of stuff you tweet or say or write, I have to read it a couple times and then think about it. And that's very <laughs> valuable to me. Like, yeah. you know, I don't only want things that are what I would think because what's the use of that? Then I'm not right. learning anything. Yeah, no, same. I really think you are such a bright light for us in the fatosphere and i thank think thank you so much it's true i think that and i was like nervous for this because i was like deshaun's so smart i hope i don't oh my goodness <laughs> about stuff. like i really i really admire your work so i've been thrilled oh, to have so you sweet. on thank you thank you so much for being on the pod you can follow deshaun at d-a-s-h-a-u-n-l-h on twitter and instagram we are also linking their cash up and paypal in the show notes family please join me to pay deshaun for their work here on the pod and elsewhere make sure to pre-order belly of the beast i can't wait to get my copy and yes. um keep uh trying to love yourself and your insecurities everybody thank you yes. so much for being on the show thank you yeah so glad you're here This season, we're doing a Big Sister mailbag for our patrons every Friday. We're answering questions like, I literally don't even know how to use foundation. Please help. This question is from my little sister. <laughs> okay, well, Yelly's <laughs> little sister. My answer is don't use foundation. Use tinted moisturizer. I started off in high school with CoverGirl, tinted moisturizer, or CC cream or something like that. But right now, I'm really loving the Ilia Tinted Moisturizer. That's the next one I want to get. Or the Milk Makeup one with SPF. Be sure to look out for those ingredients to see if anything you're sensitive to. But 
uh, I would prioritize a good moisturizer and a good sunscreen before everything and then just use a little tint in there to get into the practice of using makeup. Beautiful. If you liked hearing us big sisters answer your questions, join our Patreon at Team Paisley Moo or above to hear full mini-sodes every Friday. And that's the episode. Shout out to Stylish Sista where you can get the only SAF stickers on the market. You can find the All Bodies Are Good Bodies collab at stylishsista.etsy.com for a limited time and I can't recommend enough that you do. How else will you meet other family members in the wild? Reminder that we have a voicemail box at 213-375-5023, and we want to hear from you. Call in with your questions and fat book recs, and we might even play your message on the pod. Sophie, did you know that we have 1.2 thousand ratings on Apple Podcasts? I did not know that. That sounds new and noteworthy to moi. If you're looking for an easy way to support the pod, <laughs> make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. As always, shout out to our patrons. Thank you to Hannah, Sabrina Parkinson, Katherine Andrews, Ashley Brown, Sarah Bayless, Samir Zahran, Luella Zuri, Tina Sizerick, Emily Hayes, and Haley Durandetta. We could not make the show without you. Bye. She's All Fat was created by me. Sophie Carter-Kahn and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions at fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 213-375-5023 and we might even play it on the pod. Our episode ads are done in partnership with Acast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at acast.com. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish, and our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Lynn Barbera co-produced and edited this episode. Yelly Cruz is our magical junior producer. Our thin crony forever is Maria Vertel. I'm our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe. We love you. 